Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Die, die, my darling. It's episode number 41 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man, the world's most contemplative Eric Roberts related podcast. I'm Doug Tilly and joining me is my ferocious partner in blood, Liam O'Donnell. How are you doing, Liam? Oh my gosh, Doug. 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 Yes, dear? Doug. Mm Mm-hmm. We are mere days, mere days away Uh from baby time. Oh, really? Baby time. Baby time? Like, like seven days. Is this legit? Yeah. How's your wife looking right now? I mean, I'm asking that in a very general sense. I don't want you to get in any trouble. I think she is finally at the size where if I were to pretend and say, no, you don't look that big, it would be clear I was lying. Mm -hmm. You know, like she's so pregnant that the whole thing were like, oh, you don't admit that they look pregnant. Like you would have to be a crazy person. It's like, uh, you know, at this point we've both acknowledged She's carrying a life, so that doesn't involve, you know, that, that that's a big deal. So we're just living into that reality. Okay, Liam, I have a very important question to ask you. Now, seven days out, that's close, right? That is very close. I think we can both acknowledge It's very that. close. Very close. It's possible, possible, I'm just putting it out there, that she, her water might break while we're recording this episode. That's true. It's very it's possible. absolutely true. Now, what would you do in that circumstance? Oh, keep going. You know, yeah, I made a you made a blood oath. oath. <laughs> I'm glad that you prioritized properly, and I'm sure your wife would understand. In fact, why don't you get her on the podcast right now? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's a laptop, right? Like, uh, we would pause. I'd switch to my phone, I guess, and then we would record in the car while I drove. It would be great. I'm glad you've thought this through, Liam. I also have to ask you, Liam, I don't know much about pregnancy. My wife and I have decided that children are awful. (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But I, I have seen videos on the internet. And uh, sometimes when, like, a woman uh, is very close to giving birth, now, like, you can actually see the baby shifting around in her stomach, and it looks like something Mm -hmm. out of Alien or some other Mm -hmm. grotesque, uh, nightmarish scenario in that person's stomach. Is that what's going on with your wife's stomach right now? Oh, yeah, basically. I mean, Mm -hmm. uh, I I don't quite think of it as nightmarish because it is, um, you know, my progeny in there, and I have... Uh, abiding love for her but the little Eric Roberts Douglas O'Donnell (laughs) yeah 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 but the actual mechanics of pregnancy is insane and weird and neither one of us are like uh, uh, have any illusions about that like when we can straight up see baby hand it's not like oh my gosh it's so beautiful it's like whoa this is so weird wow this is amazing how weird it is now one more question, uh, yeah. and I, I don't want to focus too much on your child, though it does seem, by the way, Liam, that because this baby is coming so quickly, that it will almost certainly be here before the recording of the next episode. Uh, very likely, yes. Very likely, unless it, you know, this shit can extend. I understand that. Uh, so it, certainly, if it does not get to 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 come into this world while we're recording tonight, certainly by the next episode, we'll have that baby. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping she'll be crying directly into the microphone when you're trying to record. That's going to be a problem for me. 
<laughs> All right, shut up, Liam. Today, I'm very happy to introduce our guest, a longtime supporter of the show and a supporter of myself as well, like directly myself. He is an author and illustrator. He actually is way more talented than anyone who actually uh, hosts this show. Would you agree with that, Liam? Wait, the me too? Yeah, absolutely more talented than you. Yeah, that's fair. In fact, you know, I, I consider the bar lower for you. What do you think about that? <laughs> uh, I think Canadians are very mean. Before we started recording, you called me a bully. <laughs> I mean, it is one of your charms. All right. Well, you might know this gentleman's uh, young adult series, The Dead Kid Detective Agency. And if you don't, you should. We'll show you how to get it a little bit later. But it's Evan Monday. How are you doing today, Evan? I'm doing great. Thanks. Uh, congratulations, Liam. That's very exciting news in just a week. Evan, yeah, I want to... I... A- Sorry, Liam. I, th- I think he was talking to me. <laughs> 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 no, Liam, please respond. I just, thank you. That's all. That's excellent work. Evan, what are your thoughts on children? You write young adult uh, novels, so you must have a strong opinion about young people. Uh, I do. I mean, I like writing for children. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have no children of my own. Mm-hmm. and uh, But I mean, I'm kind of, uh, I think it would be exciting to have children, but I don't currently have any plans to have any interacting with them at schools, reading them stories, you know, doing drawing classes with them, and then leaving an hour later is kind of my speed right now. It's a very even-handed approach to the whole idea of children, and I appreciate that, Evan. It certainly is a lot more refreshing than, say, what I said about them being awful just a little bit ago. (laughs) Uh, Evan, I want to ask you, Eric Roberts, what's the deal with him? Uh, Eric Roberts. uh, I mean, Eric Roberts is great, but I have to say my Eric Roberts history mostly involves this podcast, uh, I've been a listener from the beginning, uh, and to be honest, before the podcast, I was woefully uninformed about Mr. Roberts. I think I must have seen the best of the best movies as a kid, um, but for a while I kind of forgot about him until I think the Killer's Mr. Brightside video, uh, which kind of reminded me of Eric Roberts and, and his acting career. But I have to say I hadn't seen a lot of his work until listening to this podcast. Now that begs the question, is there a movie that we've talked about or, or a television project that we've talked about on this show that then you said, you know what, I need to go out and see this right this very second? Uh, yeah, I mean, at least a few. Definitely uh, Ambulance mm-hmm. was, was one that I thought I had to see um, uh, by the sword. Oh, Another yes. One? Yeah. <laughs> the <laughs> F. Murray Abraham classic. Exactly. Those are two that I that I hadn't seen before that I, that I ran out, not ran out. Maybe it was a couple of days after, but uh, I definitely sought out immediately afterward. Now, Evan, you had great input in ter- terms of the projects that we're covering on today's show. Now that you've actually watched them, uh, do you think you made a good choice or a bad choice? <laughs> I mean, uh, mm-hmm. I think I made an interesting choice. Yes, I feel like they. I feel like there's there's thematic similarity between the two things we watched and they were both short at least you know what on this show short is absolutely a positive (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and you know what i think we're going to have very divisive opinions on these works that we're going to be discussing today but of course before we discuss any works we have to talk about the roberts report The Roberts Report for episode number 41 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Yes, that's the podcast that you've somehow stumbled upon right this very second. And on this episode of The Roberts Report, we have so much 
beautiful, special Eric Roberts news. But as per usual, we're going to start with some recent tweets from the man himself. If you want to follow Eric Roberts on Twitter, you can do that at Eric Roberts. Pretty simple. Recently, on uh, about a couple days ago now, I think, he tweeted... And I want this is a very controversial thing. I've been told that we shouldn't get political on this show, but he, but Eric Roberts, hey, I I don't stifle the man. I let him say what he wants to say. He tweeted, "Don't go at Barack Obama." Eric Roberts does not want Barack Obama to go. Starting with you, Evan, you're Canadian like myself. Do you have any opinion on the current, as of today, but not as of tomorrow, President of the United States, Barack Obama? Oh, I have a secret for you. I'm actually a dual citizen. What? <laughs> like my wife. That's right. I uh, I voted in the past four elections, I believe, in the American elections. Oh, my goodness. I know it's not a great thing to ask someone who they voted for in the election, but if I was to ask you who you voted for in the most recent election, were you able to vote in that one? I was able to vote, and I, I did vote for Hillary Clinton in this past election. Oh, my goodness. I know. Well, I guess you didn't want to make America great again. <laughs> Liam, do you have any thoughts on uh, Eric Roberts giving a shout out to the uh, Barack man? Uh, yeah, I mean, that's that's great. And I don't, you know, I guess some people don't like that we get political on this show, which happens, by the way, for like two seconds. But um, <laughs> to me, yeah, I, it, it's funny because when before I realized that we were going to replace him with the worst case scenario, I was actually a pretty big critic uh, of uh, President Obama, um, sure. though he is undoubtedly charming all the time. And um, he uh, <clears throat> is certainly an actual leader, unlike <laughs> our current uh, president elect. But uh, but I have I have serious issues with a lot of his policies. Sure. And yet knowing what was coming. I felt the exact don't go Barry please please stay which is like not how I felt when I thought we might possibly get somebody who was better but maybe not I don't know I don't know if I ever really believed we would have somebody better so you know a article has been going around lately even though it's from 2016 with a quote from Mickey Rourke a good friend of Eric Roberts in it and he was asked about Donald Trump at that point and he replied that Trump can suck my dick and his wife's a gold digger. And then he also said he's a bully and a bitch. Any thoughts, Liam? <laughs> I, I mean, that's a lot of there's a lot there. And I don't know. That I, would agree with, there. I don't know if I would agree with all the uh, the use of language, per se. I'm, I'm not really into some of that stuff. Uh, but I ain't uh, saying she's a gold digger. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I mean, the, the whole idea that. I could politely disagree with Mr. Trump is is outside of the realm of possibility for me. It is it is hostility through and through and will be hostility for at minimum four years, but probably long after we hopefully replace him with something else, I'll still be mad. And I now, will probably I'll be mad till I'm dead, probably. Now when you say something else, do you mean a presidential robot of some sort? <laughs> you know, at this point, yes. I will take if if the hidden androids among us would reveal themselves or the lizard people, I think I would vote for a lizard person over Donald Trump at this point. Evan, I have a question for you. Because you can vote in the U.S. election, yes. would you vote for some sort of programmed political robot over Donald Trump? Mm, I mean, most likely, unless it were programmed to follow the same policies as, as Trump, I'd go with a robot. All right. Robots. Robots won. Donald Trump zero on this episode of <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts also tweeted on January 16th, and this is something I think this is a sentiment we can all agree with. The signature of a true artist 
is a well of self-doubt and the strength to rise above. As an artist yourself, Evan, in fact, I could have talked to both of you, but I'm going to say Evan first because you're an illustrator. You do like comic book art, but also other art as well, I know. Do you agree with that statement? Do you do you kind of embrace your self-doubt and, and rise above? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, I hesitate to even call myself an artist because of self-doubt. Uh, I think a lot of people, I'm always very wary of people who are extremely confident in their abilities. Uh, so I, I feel like Eric Roberts is speaking truth here. Do you think Eric Roberts is a confident man? Mm, I mean, I feel like he definitely would present himself as confident, but maybe deep down he's not. I think I think just like the rest of us, just like all of us for the most part, except mm-hmm. some of those pickup artists I read about online, he's probably got a real confidence, but when, you know, when he's at home, with his family, there's a lot of vulnerability there. Maged El Masri breaks into Hollywood with Oscar-winning actor Eric Roberts. Yes, that's the first news item this week. Now, I do notice something a little wrong with this headline, Liam. Have you noticed it? No. What? Well, uh, this is something that was has, pointed out. Uh, sorry, Evan wants to jump in. Yes. I was going to say, has Eric Roberts won an Oscar? That is a very excellent, excellent question. Oh, he was only nominated? He was only nominated. Now, we shouldn't say only nominated in a way yes, to dismiss his accomplishments. But I do feel like that this headline, which has stated that he is an Oscar winner, uh, is is inaccurate, I would say. Later, yeah, yeah, I think it says that he's a two-time Oscar winner. A right two-time now. Oscar winner, which <laughs> I look... I'm Look, I'm kind of tuned out from the mainstream, so sometimes I miss these things. But my understanding is in the last couple of years, uh, and certainly in the last year and a half or so since his podcast began, that Eric Roberts has not won two Oscars. Unless Inherent Vice was a lot more successful at the <laughs> Academy Awards than, than, I, than I was led to believe. So, you yes, this... It, it doesn't occur to me. If someone just puts in something Oscar winning, I just figure, oh, yeah, they looked it up. I don't need to worry about that. It's like the epitome of fake news in some way because I'm just <laughs> like, oh, they wrote it. They wrote Oscar winning, so it must be right. Yeah. It was funny that you didn't question it since you are the co-host of an Eric Roberts-related podcast. You know, I don't – I try to th- not think about Eric Roberts when we're not recording. I, <laughs> I put all my effort into it. More and more Arab stars are making it to Hollywood, and the latest is Egyptian actor Meged El Masri, who has announced on Instagram that he has just started filming The Outcast with, as Evan mentioned, Hollywood actors Eric Roberts, who is a two-time Oscar winner, and Patrick Kilpatrick, which I'll tell you, if your last name is Kilpatrick, you should not name your child Patrick. Just a little (laughs) lesson there. (laughs) I did actually see the photos that uh, Eric Roberts uh, uh, took with this gentleman. In one of them, he has his classic arm draped over the back of his shoulders pose but in the other one they're real they're goofing around they're goofing and grinning and they seem to be having a good time so he is rumored to complete completing his uh, scenes for the outcast at the end of february you and i liam at some point will watch the outcast starring maged el masri and eric roberts what do you think i'm excited I know you are. Actually, you know what? I'm going to skip this next article because it's boring, but I do want to get to one that's going to apply to you directly, if that's okay, Liam. Yeah, let's do it. Because you oh, before... yeah! Oh, wow. <laughs> what an excited, <laughs> excited sound you just made. Now, in the past, we've talked about the Lehigh Valley. Oh, <laughs> uh, you son of a bitch. Which is, I think it's a valley. Is it like, it's next door to where you live, right? No, I am in. I am dead in the Lehigh Valley. That is my... Now, if I remember correctly, Liam O'Donnell, co-host of this podcast, you actually possibly had the opportunity to be in the movie we're just about to discuss. Yeah, so there was a there were 
posters everywhere, both around my house and at the college where I now work, but I wasn't working there at the time, that were like, be an extra in this movie billboard. Everybody, be an extra. Whatever. We'll take. And I'm like, yo, I've been to these things before. Being an extra is actually a pain in the butt. They're not going to pay you anything. And in fact, if you read closely, I think it specifically was designed to suggest that your big shot would be an extra and they weren't going to pay you anything. And I was like, yo, I'm unemployed. I'm in my thirties. I'm not trying to do that. And then it was only on this very show that you were like, Oh, actually Eric Roberts is in this and they're taping tomorrow. You should go. And I'm like, I can't go down there tomorrow. That's not a thing I can do. But yeah, they filmed at least one scene in my actual town where I live. I love that Liam O'Donnell star of Creed. Yeah. It's too too much of a big st- a big star, a big deal to go down and appear in a movie with Eric Roberts. Hey, I got I got ninety eight dollars for Creed. Am I getting ninety eight dollars for this <laughs> little thing? No. no. Do you get seventeen cents every time they play it on HBO? <laughs> no, no, extras don't get any. I, I got my I got paid what my sixteen hours were worth, which was ninety eight dollars. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds about right. Well, this is a film, as we may have mentioned before, by Zeke Zelker, another ridiculous name, uh, and it is indeed called Billboard. It's about a radio station's Billboard sitting contest in the nineteen eighties. But what what actually the reason that we're talking about this again isn't just because I want to hear your story about not being an extra in it. Liam, as fascinating as that is, but also because they've listed the cast, and before the cast, I have to say, Eric Roberts, interesting, the rest of it, I didn't care, but now they've added Heather Matarazzo from Welcome to the Dollhouse, as well as, if you look a little bit lower down, director John Waters. Wait, is does that mean he was here? That means, fucking idiot Liam, <laughs> that you could have met John Waters for free. <laughs> Fuck! God damn it! I didn't know that! <laughs> Evan Monday I also didn't know he filmed at Dorney Park. Holy crap! Yeah, uh, Dorney Park. Are you kidding me? <laughs> hey man, it's right by my house. Come on. I told you it was right next door, and somehow you didn't believe me. No, I mean he famously shot a sequence of Hairspray in Dorney Park. That's what it says in your little thing. <laughs> Evan, what's your favorite John Waters movie? Oh, mm, maybe Crybaby. Crybaby. That's an interesting choice. What is it that appeals to you about Crybaby? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I think it's one of Johnny Depp's better roles. I like mm-hmm. the era, although so many John Waters movies are shot in that era. Uh, I don't know. It seems fun. I mean, a lot of John Waters movies are fun, but some of them don't, I think, repair or sort of bear repeat viewings the way Crybaby does because, I don't know, you see them once and, and some of the sort of like more outrageous gross out parts are like, oh, uh, I don't know if I, how many times I need to see Someone eat poo. Uh, that kind of thing. <laughs> I can tell you, some people, they can see that quite a bit. Exactly. Um, I know, I know. <laughs> now, Liam, we know that you don't give a shit about movie musicals, but because you mentioned Crybaby just then, Evan, I want to get your opinion. What do you think about movie musicals? M- me, personally? Yeah. Uh, I'm a fan of most movie musicals. Uh, it depends on what it is, but I, I like uh, a lot, quite a few. Sorry, a few, quite a lot is what I meant to say. I mean, um, yeah, I enjoy a lot of, I enjoy a good musical. Have you seen La La Land? I have. I actually recently saw La La Land just about a week ago. And I know, you know, right now it's very controversial to have an opinion about that movie. What's your opinion? Just give us a quick one. Yay or nay? Uh, yay. Oh, yay. I like hearing that. (laughs) Liam, have you gotten a chance to see it? Oh, yes. Even though you hate musicals. I, uh... 
despise them. I don't hate musicals. <laughs> I I don't enjoy a lot of musicals. Because you're always comparing their voice to your own. You're like, I could do that so much. <laughs> uh, that's ish, issue one, yes. Yes, of course. Now, what did you think of La La Land in a single word? Uh, medium. Medium? Medium. So you mean it medium great? <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, no, you don't need was, to elaborate. Uh, oh, my God. I hate you so much. <laughs> There were things I loved about it, and there were things I did not love about it. I think Buddy Cop Phil... Oh, sorry. Yeah, sorry. No, no, you need to continue now. In fact, it's an imperative. No, I mean, I didn't love it as much as everyone else did, but I liked it. But did you love it more than everyone else who hated it? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy Cop film American Sharia tackles Islamophobia with humor. I believe we actually mentioned this movie previously as well, but pretty soon we'll be able to see American Sharia in a movie theater. Actually, almost certainly not. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, the movie does feature Eric Roberts as the film's chief Islamophobe, who tells a Palestinian-American store clerk wearing a hijab, get that towel thing off your damn head. Sounds like a very unpleasant role for one Mr. Eric Roberts. Liam O'Donnell, do you think Sharia law will be brought into the United States in the next six months? Oh, God, I hope so. That would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. This comedy, I mean, I'm curious about it, certainly, because it is a topic that I think you, if you play it very smartly and with a lot of, um, a lot of, a lot of real tact behind it, that you can do something really interesting. However, uh, until I see it, I have to consider myself skeptical of the final results. What do you think, Evan? Skeptical? Yeah. I'm a little skeptical. I saw the trailer, uh... It doesn't seem like the the movie we need right now to tackle Islamophobia, but at the same time, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, directed by an American Muslim comedian, so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, I feel like maybe he's the best person to tell this story. I do like the name of his production company, which is uh, Halaliwood. <laughs> that is actually... <laughs> I'll tell you what, that alone, that got me on board. <laughs> <laughs> I, was, I was against it till then, now I'm in. <laughs> Recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts Internet Movie Database page is 2017's After School Special. The plot involves two high school kids mentored by a nightclub owner go on a mission to find their classmate when she is kidnapped by a secret society directed by Jared Cohen, the director of Evil Nanny and Little Red Rotting Hood, featuring, very interesting, featuring a reunion of celebrity rehab, Jason London and Eric Roberts, as well as one Mr. Ron Jeremy. Uh, going over to you for a second, Evan. What's your favorite Ron Jeremy film role? <laughs> oh, it's probably from uh, Boondock Saints. Oh. Now, you say that, Evan. You know, you realize I tore into that movie just a few days ago. <laughs> I didn't. Wait, when did you tear into it? I did. I tore into it. I'm so sorry. That's okay. I mean, I just, in, in terms of Ron Jeremy role. You know what? <laughs> I'm not going to hold it against you. You love Ron Jeremy. <laughs> How about you, Liam? What do you think? Ron Jeremy, the actor. Uh, no, thank you. Oh, interesting. <laughs> like in no no capacity at all? I mean, he's fine. I, I don't... There, it, he doesn't bring anything, and I don't find the whole, like, hey, I'm fat and hairy, and I do porn. Like, that's not really that interesting to me. So, like, whenever he shows up and stuff, it always strikes me as a cheap gag like, oh, like the look, joke is like look ron jeremy is in this and i don't find that joke funny it's now, just like oh yeah there he is again cool now speaking as a fat hairy gentleman who doesn't do porn uh <laughs> i do have to take some issue with what you just said however 
I feel like the pornography, you have a moral stance against it. Isn't that correct? Uh, I don't care that much. Oh, wow. I didn't really th- really th- think that you cared at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, I, I have concerns in the sense of, like, uh, you know, uh, possibilities for abuse, mm. use of drugs to manipulate people to do things, whatever, whatever. That's all on the table. Um, and, you know, I don't know. I, I don't know enough about him as a person to know where he was at a time when things were even more exploitative than they are now. Liam. It's more just like. Liam. Uh, yeah. This is a yeah. Com- this is a comedy podcast. Well, okay, you're right. All right, fine. All I'm saying is, it's like he shows up and everyone goes, "Oh my gosh, it's Rod Jeremy!" Yes, like, it's like it's like funny. it's like when Lloyd Kaufman shows up and you're supposed to be like, "Hey, there he is!" And then you just. But I like on. Lloyd Kaufman. I guess that's what it is. Is I don't find anything <laughs> charming about Ron Jeremy. He's just a guy. The correct answer, by the way, to the question that I asked the both of you was, of course, his appearance in Ghostbusters when he's just looking up for five seconds. Oh, that's him? That's him. He's at the very end just looking up. Well, now you know a little bit of trivia, which is why people come to Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But with that, we have to close the Roberts Report news bag. But we have to open up the rest of the episode. And this is where we get to introduce what we're going to be covering today. And I have to say, this is one of the most interesting episodes in terms of content. We're going way back into the past to one of Eric Roberts' first roles. And then we're going to zoom forward a little bit uh, further down the road to something a little bit unusual. Evan, what are we watching today? Uh, we are going to be watching the television movie Paul's Case from 1980. And then we're going to be watching an episode of Touched by an Angel uh, titled Made in the USA. <laughs> now, why are we watching an episode of Touched by an Angel? Uh, that's a good question. I thought... Uh, it'd be good to cover some of his TV guest appearances mm-hmm. and um, just reading the synopsis of that that plot, which I don't want to give away right now, <laughs> but uh, it seemed too good to be true. Uh, and I felt like there were some thematic similarities between the two two things we were watching in terms of class issues, I would say, and, mm-hmm. and, and even say like the idea of the American dream. So before we jump to our first break, Evan, was it too good mm-hmm. to be true? Uh, it was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll be right back with 1980s Paul's Case. Now, here's a little story I got to tell about three bad brothers you know so well. It started way back in history with that Rob and me. My team! Been had a little horsey named Paul Revere. Just me and my horsey in a quart of beer. Riding across the land, kicking up sand. Sheriff flashes on my tail, cause I'm in demand. One lonely Lost in a world of fantasy, young working-class Paul dreams of escaping his dreary existence in turn-of-the-century Pittsburgh. As fate would have it, Paul gets his chance by stealing some money and subsequently running off to glamorous New York City. It's Paul's Case from 1980, which uh, apparently was an episode of a series, I'm not sure which station it was on, it seems like something that would be on PBS, called American short story and uh, it was directed by Lamont Johnson who actually has had a uh, extensive career in film and television but uh, I've noted for both of you here that he directed a movie called A Gunfight from 1971 which featured Kirk Douglas and Johnny Cash and if you ever saw 
the Johnny Cash Hurt video, which I'm sure you all have, um, there's a, a clip from that movie in that. So one connection there to something interesting. Uh, it's, of course, uh, based on the short story by Willa Cather, or Cather, uh, Paul's Case, A Study in Temperament, which I was just reading yesterday. So I feel very educated and very informed and ready to talk about this. Speaking of talking about it, Evan, starting with you since you're our guest, what did you think of 1980s Paul's Case? Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I would say it's very slow moving. Um, this reference will probably be lost on, on Liam and probably most of the audience because it's a Canadian reference, but it seemed like an hour long heritage minute, um, <laughs> uh, in a lot of ways. Mm, for Liam there in, on Canadian television, there were commercials that sort of dramatized a portion of Canadian history in these sort of 30 second clips and it had very much the same feel. Um, I don't know, like, it seemed, uh, it seemed from what I've read about the short story, very faithful to it. Mm. But at the same time, the short story is so kind of opaque, and I'm not sure sort of what we're supposed to infer about Paul or about the situation that mm, it was hard to really get into it. Um, it seemed also kind of like a, like a secret life of Walter Mitty kind of thing, mm. but with like a very unimaginative boy <laughs> as a lead. It, uh, having read a bit of the story, and I'll, I'll, I won't lie and say I finished it. I read most of it. Uh, <laughs> it, it. It's The whole point of the story is really is that Paul is a character that you can't really quite get a grasp on. He, he isn't something someone who is very easily defined. And in the case of dramatizing that into a film or a TV project, it means that you have to make him look kind of shifty and uh, make him do a lot of things that you're wondering why he's doing them at any particular time. But without the insight of the words of that short story, I feel like it does lose a bit. But Liam, I want to hear, I haven't heard your opinion on this yet. I'm very curious. What did you think of Paul's case? That's a good question. I, <clears throat> I'm not sure that I'm sure what I thought of it. Uh, I liked some of the idea there. Like, I think there is something connected to class going on in it. And class, sometimes when, when we say class nowadays, we really just uh, for the mean a sort of income inequality because we've had kind of a compression of culture so mm. that, like, a lot of rich people are just, like, uh, a lot of people who aren't rich just with more money this is a time when there's serious cultural differences that come with money and there's serious ideas around what life means and what is meaningful and and paul's story is a story of someone who wants something more and that's something more there are big barriers there and people want him to live in the real world and a lot of that is very compelling in theory but then watching it it is slow it is so <laughs> slow and a lot of like you said there's all these situations where it doesn't feel like paul is a dreamer as much as it seems like he's weird and lazy <laughs> uh, which is not the intention like I'm, I'm smart enough to figure out that's mm. not what they intended but all i'm seeing is eric roberts just not doing what he's supposed to be doing and it's not <laughs> clear why uh there's a serious in the movie which i don't know if it's in the story but a serious um uh, sort of gay subtext yes. that it's not clear is is he attracted to the theater because he's attracted to actors or is it because he's attracted to drama is he attracted to this one particular actor the way it's played is not obvious and honestly the thing that I find the most confusing is realizing that a quiet thoughtful pensive Eric Roberts 
is not an Eric Roberts I enjoy at all <laughs> in any way, shape, or form. And I mean, so I was yeah. really confused as to that aspect of it. Sorry. I think the subtext is in the story. I mean, you've read mm. the story or most of it. Yeah, no, it absolutely is. In fact, it's it's extremely clear, but you have to understand, of course, that the uh, this this story was written at the turn of the century. So even mm-hmm. when it's mm-hmm. clear to our eyes, it's not so clear that someone couldn't deny it if they wanted to. Yeah, and I mean, it's kind of coded in like he likes hanging around the theater, and uh, when the like guy from Harvard is it Harvard or Yale? Anyway, the university guy mm-hmm. starts talking to him about women that he's like kind of flustered and doesn't even know what to say. It's one of the interesting things about both the story and this dramatization of it is the way that I'm not sure how much we're supposed to like Paul necessarily. Or, and when it comes back to what your response to him was, Liam, I think at least partially that's intentional. Because this is a guy who, who loves art but is not an artist and wants to have the success of being an artist without being an artist. There's a, you know, we, we, we see him uh, lose himself in paintings, and we see him sit and or stand and watch opera and really seem moved by it, but without any real wish to kind of engage it on a deeper level. He almost wants the kind of celebrity aspect of it because of what that can achieve in terms of his role in his life, get him to what he feels like he either deserves or that he just kind of desires really strongly, which in the case of this movie, like you said, Evan, not the most imaginative thing in the world. He wants to get new- go to New York. He wants to stay in a fancy hotel. He wants to wear a bathrobe. He wants to hang around and eat a nice meal and drink champagne. And I think that um, that there's something to be said about these kind of modest goals that even within the character that he ha- that we see in the movie that it didn't seem achievable to him outside of the possibility of like stealing money there is a very strange scene in this where uh, Eric Roberts character Paul breaks into the basement of his own house and mm-hmm. sits by a um, a furnace and he kind of states something about uh, his father mistaking him for a burglar uh, and wanting that to happen, Liam, what did you interpret out of that part? I was, I was not sure. I mean, it seemed like he was visualizing all the ways that he's come home. Like it, it, it he's had this experience before where he's come home late and it's been an issue. And it really felt to me like a wish either for more drama or something to change, or like a, I don't want to say a death drive in the sense of like clear suicidal ideation but more like a, a a want for something apocalyptic to happen for something like to totally change and and whatever but but an unwillingness to like do something dramatic and until he obviously eventually does but in that moment not sort of wishing for something to be up upturned in his life it's uh you, you get the real distinct impression that he's a person very disconnected from his life. Uh, and yeah. even the way he reacts to getting in trouble is just kind of by smiling, not really making any effort to, <laughs> to, to fix that. But in some ways that makes him more of an appealing character because he is sort of rebellious. But the question is the classic Marlon Brando in the wild one question, you know, what is he rebelling against? But I guess he's rebelling against his class. What did you see in that scene, Evan, the, where he's uh, next to the furnace? Yeah, I mean, that was a weird scene because like a lot of scenes, it had kind of rather than audio in the scene, it was like an audio overlay of his right. thoughts or sort of past conversations. And yeah, it seemed almost like he wanted something to happen. Like he was both worried, like he obviously snuck in through the basement so that his father wouldn't mistake him for a burglar. But I don't know, at the same time, he wanted 
I mean, I think there is sort of like a death drive to him in a weird way. Um, I was also unclear because that's right before his father starts talking about like what happened to his mother. Right. And I don't remember what happened, like why his his mother died, I think, but I don't remember why. Is that connected to it in any way? I, I don't think it's directly connected to it. It might be kind of overarching connectiveness because of his general yeah. um, um, attitude towards life and his responsibilities. I should mention here, by the way, that Eric Roberts, this uh, is from 1980. It's post King of the Gypsies, but really before Star 80, before his career really kicked off in a significant way. But he's playing younger than he is in real life or was in real life. He was 24 or 23 when he made this, but he's playing a high school student of 17. Uh, and I actually, I know we usually talk about this at the end, but uh, staying with you, Evan, what did you think of his ability to play young or play that kind of innocent level of young? I don't know. I mean, he plays a very weird 17 year old, but Paul is a very strange 17 year old. Like I think he's got the kind of aloofness and kind of not, having kind of a, a good reaction to things, you know, just sort of reacting in, a, in ways that are kind of unsettling to adults, mm-hmm. I would say, um, to conflict or to problems that arise. So I think he got that down. But uh, yeah, I don't, I, I mean, he didn't seem 17 at all either. I mean, even though he was in, in high school. It's, it's always hard to watch an actor that you are extremely familiar with when he was young because it's hard not to see his older self in those roles. So yeah. maybe if, even if he looked like a 10-year-old, I'd have trouble not thinking of him as like, you know, 40, 50-year-old Eric Roberts. Um, back over to you, Liam. This, this is a, as I think we've established, it's a little bit of a difficult watch because of its pace, but it does pick up a little bit and it becomes a little more dramatic after he steals the money. Are there any parts of the movie that kind of stuck out to you as being something that, you know, you kind of wish they went in that direction a little bit more? Uh I don't I don't know. I think that it makes sense within the story and his character actually to me how limited his ideas are about what he could do, but it also felt like a budgetary limitation that there wasn't more establishing mm. like his New York is just like what he sees out the hotel window. That, you know, so it, that, it's hard not to interrupt you Liam, but that's a really interesting point because in the story, you know the part where the guy wants him to go out on the town? Uh, and then mm-hmm. he, he has to stop because he's where he's going to be caught. He actually, yeah. in, the, in, the, in the short story, goes out on the town and, and experiences right. all these things. But you're right. It very much seemed like, well, we only have like three locations. So, so hold your horses. Yeah, I mean, it's it was not filmed. I mean, not that they could film it, but it was definitely not filmed anywhere near an urban area. So they couldn't really create that feeling, you know. Um, so, yeah, part of me kind of wanted a little bit more of him engaging with the city. Um, but it, it's hard too because it's it's the sort of thing that, and maybe it's just because I knew it going in, but I I knew it was based off a story, so I had limited expectations. I was kind of like, all right, well, I assume some of this is going with where the story goes. So um, it was hard for me to say like, oh, Paul should also do this or he should also go or whatever. It's you know because I don't know what the limitations on the narrative are. Now uh, I'm just gonna give a brief spoiler alert for a story that was written. <laughs> <laughs> over 100 years ago um, but uh, this does end with in fact I think we projected it and we made it very clear that Eric Roberts' character Paul uh, kills himself at the end of this they I don't think there's really any question of that it's certainly no question in the story and, and there's really no other way to interpret it but how did you think that that was treated in the uh, in the production Evan? 
I mean, it's very tasteful. I mean, it's a very like PBS kind of suicide where, you know, the camera like moves away and you hear the sound. He, I mean, he jumps in front of a train, I guess is the implication. Right. But you hear the train, he sees the train coming. He rolls around in the snow and eats a bunch of it. Um, <laughs> you about that part. Uh, but then, yeah, here's the train coming and, and the kind of camera pans away and you just hear the train keep going. And the implication is that he has jumped in front of it to sort of end all of his troubles um so i mean i feel like i feel like if they did something more dramatic it wouldn't be in line with the rest of the movie it'd be weird to have sort of a you know uh more overt death at the end there but um yeah i mean i think it works with with this with this film I do have to say my favorite part of Eric Roberts' performance in this is that part when he's rolling around <laughs> in the snow, eating it, and then he's drying off his face with the roses that he has in his yeah. hand. It's such a strange choice, and uh, and I don't think it is reflected in the story from what I can remember, but it, um, it kind of makes that part weird and interesting in a way that the rest of the, <laughs> the movie didn't really get to. How did you find the uh, suicide section, the little uh, bit at the end there, uh, Liam? I I could kind of guess when he left the case in the train that we were going towards that scenario. It felt like it happened very quickly, though. Like, when it sort of transitioned to that, I was like, oh, this is what we're doing now? Okay. <laughs> I, I, I thought there might be a few more hijinks before that. And, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, maybe not. I don't mean that to sound, like, hubris. Like, But I just thought more would happen before he's like, well. Oh, train it is but he goes to the casino he's like put it all on red (laughs) just something just something but uh but the choice of him having that sort of moment where he's like i'll just walk from here because where is he walking to like the the carriage guy has to know like where are you walking to this is doesn't make sense and then he gets out and then immediately it's like the carriage barely pulls away and he's like in the snow (laughs) i i kind of liked that like i was like into that moment um i i don't know i i think it was very tastefully done the idea that he got hit by the train like the representation of that but i kind of could have gone for a little bit more like again not gore per se Mm -hmm. like not something that but it's just something a little more dramatic it it almost felt a little anticlimactic the way that they did it but i don't know i i i love that you know one of the things i've come to appreciate about eric roberts is is some of his uh, unconventional choices and in fact the way that he can freak out in a in a way that i find actually like very engaging so i i could have done with more of that i could have done with more opportunity for him to act crazy when in 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 a film in which he's mostly understated the whole time right now i know what you want liam i can read between the lines you wanted an eric roberts dummy dragged underneath (laughs) that train with organs and blood going everywhere yeah, go full Cronenberg. Shoot That's right. Head with the shotgun. Like, let's do it. <laughs> with him screaming the whole time. It's like, ah, I'm being killed by a train. <laughs> the train is killing me. Ah, this oh, represents my yeah. end of my existence. <laughs> Evan Monday, guest on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. This is the part of the uh, of the of the tale where I ask you whether in this movie, this movie that we all feel very conflicted about, whether Eric Roberts is indeed. The fucking man, yay or nay? Uh, oh, I'm gonna say, Ooh. yeah, I'm, get, I'm gonna give it a moderate. Yeah, he's the fucking man. I mean, his performance is so understated and subdued, but there are moments where you can just see, kind of feel like the 
weird menace underneath him so like that snow freak out his one but even when he's like looking at the gun in the case and he's kind of the intensity that he brings to it i think is he had kind of also like kind of a udo kier dracula <laughs> look going to him um so yeah mine's like a, a hesitant yes yeah i mean the character in the story is a very gaunt and has they mentioned his like sunken chest a lot and he's really mm-hmm. kind of playing that to the hilt but let's go over to you liam Fucking man, yay or nay? Think this about is it. hard. This, this is this is a hard one, but I think I'm I'm gonna go with yay, even though it, in the in the uh, in the uh, cornucopia of Eric Roberts' characters, <laughs> I find this to be the least palatable flavor. You know, this is not the thing <laughs> that I want from him at all. But does he do it? Like, does he own it? Does it, it's, it's, he, he's not phoning it in. This isn't like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, whacked out on sleeping pills, Eric Roberts. Like this is like, you know, he's doing it. It's just for me, I don't want to see him in roles like this. Like, I don't, I don't like it, but, but he did it. You know, he's, he's, he's certainly, uh, putting in the time and, and really made that character, uh, what it was supposed to be, I guess. So I'm going to say, yeah, he's the man. Eric Roberts can give you chocolate, he can give you vanilla, and he can give you <laughs> strawberry. But every once in a while, he can also give you rum raisin. So I'm just saying that it's sometimes nice to see Eric Roberts flex his wings and give a performance like he does in Paul's case. I'm going to confirm, yes, of course he's the fucking man. He, uh, he loves rolling around in that snow and eating it and <laughs> rubbing his face with flowers. Honestly, that's the image that I'm going to be taking away from this anyway. And it's such a positive image. I'm going to stay positive. Yes, he's the fucking man. And speaking of positive, speaking of positivity, speaking of God's light, we're going to take a break. Yes, oh. we are. And when we return, we're going to get faith-based. And we're going to be talking about an episode of the long-running television series, Touched by an Angel. Join us right after this. You look like an angel. Walk like an angel. Talk like an angel. But I got wise. You're the devil in disguise. Oh, yes, you are, devil in disguise mm-hmm. You fool me with your kisses You cheated Nick Stratton is a former Vietnam veteran managing a clothing factory staffed by refugees. His personal problems are exaggerated when the IRS starts chasing him for back taxes. The angels get involved when he starts mistreating his employees. It's season five, episode number 21 of Touched by an Angel, made in the USA, featuring Eric Roberts as Nick Stratton, the former Vietnam veteran. I'm not sure that the dates work out, because I believe Eric Roberts was born in 1956. I mean, it's possible, right? I mean, he could have joined up at 17 and had all the experiences that we see in this movie. A movie television show, of course, I should say. I want to start with you, Liam. What was your familiarity with Touched by an Angel before watching this episode? I mean, I knew it existed, uh-huh. uh, but I had never watched it before. Um, I watched it with my wife, and she was very familiar because her mom liked it a lot and watched it a lot. But I've never watched an episode before having to watch this one. Were you familiar with the concept of this series? Like what they do? I mean, I knew from the title that it was about angels and being touched by them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and how did, no, you feel, how did you feel about that as a concept? I mean, I... I <clears throat> 
I knew a little bit about it because you guys remember, I don't know if you're old enough to remember this, but in the 90s, there was some serious uh, Jesus folk backlash against the Simpsons, right? There was right. a lot of Christians who were like, the Simpsons. And then in the late 90s, there was a bunch of Christians who came to their senses and were like, oh, we were really wrong about that. And the big thing that they liked to say was, the Simpsons was more Christian than either Touched by an Angel or Seventh Heaven, both of which were obviously not actually Christian if you actually read the Bible before. Now, that's an interesting thing, but we'll get back to that. It, to me, to me, that was so common. That's actually boring and conservative to say. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember the television show? I'm going to send this over to you, Evan. Uh, uh, Highway to Heaven. I do with uh, Michael Landon. Michael Landon was in Highway to Heaven, and he played an angel that I guess was doing good deeds on the planet Earth. That's the planet that we live on. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now, do you think that Touched by an Angel was inspired by Highway to Heaven? Uh, I assume. I mean, I feel like they have very similar mm, episodic plots, like the angels on Earth doing good deeds for some reason or another. And every episode is kind of a different... The only episode of Highway to Heaven I remember is an episode that kind of referenced his... I was a teenage werewolf. Right? I remember that very distinctly, but I don't remember the rest of the show. I remember it being kind of like The Incredible Hulk, which is an odd thing for me to say, but I swear (laughs) like he would just go like from town to town doing things. But I guess this show was kind of like that too. Evan, before you watched this episode, what was your impressions of what Touched by an Angel would be? I mean, it was very similar to that, like like Highway to Heaven or uh, or the Canadian reference, The Littlest Hobo, like someone goes <laughs> from place to place doing good deeds, and then the next episode they, they go, except with a more sort of overt uh, Christian bent to it. And by Christian, I mean sort of like, I mean, I think Liam was uh, alluding to it, but kind of like the kind of Christianity you see on kind of like the seven, 700 Club or like Kirk Cameron movies rather than... <laughs> you know, people who like think deeply about their faith, um, just sort of like more overt version of that in those kind of good deeds narratives. Now, for those who haven't seen this show, and I don't blame you, uh, it, it features uh, Roma Downey and Della Reese as kind of the lead. So uh, Della Reese plays Tess, who's like guiding a younger angel played by Roma Downey and helping her do good deeds on earth. And let me make it very clear. Like God's power is is used in this, like overtly in a way that people can see and touch and experience, which kind of I think kind of blow kind of goes against the whole idea of faith in the first place. I'm just putting that out there, but uh, <laughs> I didn't really know what to expect going into it. I didn't realize it was going to be so. CBS, <laughs> meaning that, you know, it's very uh, well-intentioned, you know, nothing really bad's going to happen. And uh, it's got that, it's got that feeling while you're watching it, you're just waiting for the worm to turn and, you know, it get it's, it got to get all Christian-y for a bit. And it does, it certainly does that here because believe it or not, Eric Roberts, who is a, uh, a Vietnam vet who seems to hate the immigrants who work in his factory, uh, and uh, but is not an alcoholic. He makes that very, very clear. He, uh, as he's in the process of committing a hate crime against himself, <laughs> he, he manages to 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 get trapped uh, while uh, after having created a homemade bomb, and uh, he, he is saved by God's love and. Roma Downey, uh, who kind of helps him out by pausing time and whatnot. Yeah, that actually happens. What did you think of this episode, Liam? Bad. 
Mm-hmm. Very mm-hmm. bad. Yeah, I can, um, I can yeah, see where I, you're coming from. <laughs> I mean, look, I, I, I kind of knew going in that it was going to bother me, that the show was going to bother me. But it, um, <clears throat> it bothered me at a much deeper level than I realized. And that was... Whew, that was a bit. I mean, <clears throat> there's a specific point where um, uh, Eric Roberts' character uh, Nick paraphrases like three scriptural quotes of Jesus, just sort of paraphrases them really quick. And as far as I can tell, that's the only thing related to the Bible in the entire show. Period. Other than the word angel, which is not actually a thing, and the word God, which again, these are just English ideas that aren't, you know, necessarily literally in, in scripture. So, um, you know, with the 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 show itself, it's especially this episode where we uh, basically it is the most I, I, what you could accuse the show of being is kind of like American civil religion, right? And then this show is the worst case scenario of that, where Della Reese is basically teaching the civics class and talking about how great America is. And this is the, if there's any sort of ideal lifted up, it's not the kingdom of God. It's the United States of America. That's actually what is lifted up this whole show. It's like what Nick is failing is not the gospel. He's failing America. And, and the very thing he fought for. Oh, the irony, the irony. He's failing America. So it's like it, 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 the whole episode was just kind of like, oh, I get it. This is actually about citizenship and not about any particular faith at all um let alone like i mean the the the, all that to say that's enough of it ideologically (laughs) and then the actual writing on the show is (laughs) way worse than i thought it would be the directing it's 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 it it was painful and i think the thing that really got under my nerves the most was the accents Uh, every accent of the vietnamese folks Oh, yeah. didn't feel like their actual accents. They just found Asian Americans and said, speak in broken English. People will believe that. And so then they're doing this, the most ham-fisted bro. It's it's the sort of broken English that white people do when they're trying to make fun of immigrants, let alone actual way that pe- humans talk in the world. What I just so, like most about the immigrant aspect of this is that they treat the, – the, the, the episode treats them like children – as if yep. they wouldn't understand that in America all men are supposed to be created. Like, like this civics class is the most basic, boring horseshit <laughs> in the fucking world, right? So, and also just the idea. Look, it says right here in the Constitution, all men are created equal. And then they have to go back and work in a sweatshop all fucking day or well, all yeah, the, night. The, you notice the only problem with the sweatshop, according to the show, is that Nick is an asshole. Yeah. Not that there yeah. is a sweatshop. It's like if Nick was a well-meaning dude who was making money off of their labor for unfair cost. That would be fine. That's That's America. capitalism, baby. Used to it. <laughs> yeah, like once they pass, once they pass their citizenship class, then maybe they can get a fair wage. But before then, you shut the fuck up and do your work. But... <laughs> Nick isn't nice to them. And so that's really the issue here is that Nick is a racist and he is like mad about the war. And so he's taking it out on his employees. But if he was like, you know, bought them presents and gave them, you know, equipment that worked, it would be fine that they work in a sweatshop, a literal hellhole. Evan, I got to get your take on this episode. What did you think? I mean, yeah, I agree with all that. Like it's the worst kind of hand visit attempt at wringing emotion and kind of good feelings out of this bizarre situation um i will say it was very like incident filled like i wasn't (laughs) bored ever uh because there was so much going on and the fact that he 
released some young Vietnamese prisoner in back in the Nam and there was a <laughs> and uh, and then I mean I don't want to give away the ending but he run like basically the guy he released in Vietnam is the father of one of the <laughs> workers who uses at his sweatshop um, and there's just a lot going on uh, but it was all yeah bad and I mean just in terms of that civics class the civics class was the worst part because not only is it Sort of teaching this sort of basic information that uh like the kind of basic like human rights things are like well obviously they know this and obviously they know they're they're subjected to this because they're not you know uh the that's the weird part it wasn't even really sort of claiming that they were uh sort of uh, undocumented migrants it's just that they weren't citizens yet yeah so it's like are you allowed to like landed immigrants you're allowed to just like uh, abuse and fire without will um but my question is more sort of like Della Reese's. I'm just confused about the angels in general having not watched <laughs> the show. Like, do they. She was teaching that civics class, so like. And at the end, it seems like they passed their citizenship test in the actual class. So it's like, she have the authority to give out citizenship? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, she has the greatest authority of all, the one that comes from heaven. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do want right. to. I want to mention briefly that there is a third main character on the show, and he is supposed to be yeah. like the angel of death, I guess, like someone who is encompasses the idea of death. And he was brought in a few seasons into Touch by an Angel, and in this episode, he is an IRS agent. I guess, like, I don't even know. By the way, are they taking on Quantum Leap style people who already exist, who already have like a background and a certificate and all that shit? No, but yeah. they're angels, so they can do whatever they want. They I mean, can do the whatever they want. Like, so why didn't they just change yeah. Nick to be a nicer guy? <laughs> no, I know it's the first of all. There's all these miraculous things that happen, but it's never clear. Like the way the show plays out, you literally would imagine each week. God is sitting in front of his TV going, let's see how the angels get out of this shit show I put on for them. Oh, this is going to be great. Let's see how they figure it out. And the idea that every episode, the angel of death is there. So that means no matter what scenario it is, the option of death is always there. How did they for eight fucking seasons come up with a situation that would always result in death? Because he's always there in his ridiculous zoot suit trench coat and his outfit that says, like, don't leave me alone with your children. Like, he's, you know, like, everything about this guy is creepazoid. And I guess he should be a little creepy, but he's not creepy in, like, a cool angel of death way. Like, I I want the angel of death to be, like, snarky and dark. Couldn't that have been like the character, like the one that you're looking forward to showing up because it's like, and even like he gets, even if he's kind of like winking, kind of good, kind of bad type guy, but if he, when he showed up, he was like, aha, I'm going to get you now. And they're like, oh, we, we foiled you again. He's like, oh, shucks. And then they just move on to the next fucking town for whatever reason. I did not expect this episode to end with someone clipping a wire on a bomb as it's counting down. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I did have to say that that kind of came out of nowhere for, 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 uh, from my perspective. Uh, I, I can kind of see the appeal of this show because it, it is dumb as shit. <laughs> and it's it, it something as you mentioned, Evan. Something is constantly happening, even if it doesn't make any sense at all. Like the fact that that the person that Eric Roberts freed in Vietnam ended up being the father of one of the people in his sweatshop in uh, I guess New York, wherever the fuck he is. That is so ludicrous, like so fucking insane that that I almost had to love it. I'd be like, okay, all right. So I guess that's the kind of thing. I just don't understand how this show reinforces people's faith 
because the way that they demonstrate it is not something that I feel like any real person could relate to. Um, but yeah, uh, but, I mean, sorry, yes. Oh, I was gonna say the other thing is like it seems unfair that the angels sort of spend all their time focusing on this like mm, troubled but pretty horrible Vietnam veteran who's like terrible to his employees and like what about all the employees yes. who are like living these miserable lives do they not deserve some sort of touching by angels as well there's a woman who gets burnt on one of their yeah. his faulty pieces of equipment there and almost gets fired right and it's like doesn't she need the guidance and help from the lord why why yeah, this the guy whole, the, the... The whole way it's done is as if once these uh, folks become citizens, then everything is accomplished. And I'm like, what about what about their fate? Like the, the assumption seems to be that the cosmic drama must center around Nick because he's the white American. And mm-hmm. these other folks, these other Asian folks, whatever they believe in, that doesn't particularly matter because, you know, they, they don't count. Nick is what counts. And that was... Woo, off-putting. Let alone <laughs> the fact that, like, again, other than the fact that they are angels, right, in the context of the show, and they reference a god of some kind, there's nothing particularly Jesus-y about this at all. It's like, oh, we find someone who's going to die, probably because it's of their own dumb fault they're going to die, <laughs> and we're going to keep them from dying, and somehow that's going to make them better, but, like, what actually happens like he finally you know the the tip the typification of this is that the episode ends with the generic peace poster with the fucking peace dove and then the dove just glows it's like the most (laughs) new agey toothless thing you could imagine and the the thing about it that i thought was really interesting i i had this suspicion that what what that the show was similar to uh uh highway to heaven in that you know highway to heaven is kind of jesusy and michael landon is jewish so that's like awkward that he <laughs> played this angel because he's jewish uh he's also from my hometown so that's how i know he's jewish and uh uh i thought on the show there was a similar situation because i'm pretty sure all those actors are scientologists so that must have been awkward for them and so i was doing research on it to find out i was like i really thought they were scientologists and i found out that uh the woman who created the show her original pitch was like this like hard talking, hard drinking, smoking angel who fought injustice, and CBS was like, "Nah, fuck that shit." And then God <laughs> talked to her, and then she pitched the show that was touched by an angel instead, and that's what happened. And I was like, "I can't believe we lost out on like the hard drinking <laughs> angel who fights yeah. for justice. That would have been such a better show." My God, great, like Charles Durning or someone. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, I'll be dreaming about that show tonight. We do have to talk about Eric Roberts. <laughs> That's what this podcast is about. That's he does, true. He does play a Vietnam veteran who suffers from flashbacks. Uh, in fact, when the woman burns herself, he we quickly get uh, some tinted footage of a helicopter taking off because he looks at a fan. And he starts to freak <laughs> out a little bit. And we understand that because his arm is damaged and he can't play guitar anymore, that he's obviously been traumatized very deeply by this war. Uh, how do you feel about Eric Roberts' uh, portrayal of post-traumatic stress disorder, Evan? Uh, his portrayal of post-traumatic stress disorder, I wasn't... I mean, I was pretty unimpressed by Eric Roberts for most of the episode. Uh, I mean, it wasn't anything terrible, but I felt like he was phoning it in for most of the episode. But then at the end when he's trapped under the sort of uh, shelving because uh, it fell over when he was setting the bomb to commit insurance fraud, he has that like epiphany when when 
I guess Roman Downey comes to him and explains God's love in a very bizarre way. Um, <laughs> but he was really selling it to me at that point. Like I, I was like, oh, he's really having an epiphany. Like he's really, I feel like he put all his effort into that final scene, which is a ridiculous scene. But I feel like his acting in that scene was the only part that really kind of wowed me and reminded me that this was, we were watching Eric Roberts and not just like some, I don't know, any other run of the mill actor. What did you think, Liam? Did you have a similar opinion to his performance? Yeah, I think so. I mean, his portrayal, I mean, I know he can play both someone dealing with trauma and a bigot. And yet in both of those ways, he just seemed like a guy who was just upset. Like there wasn't it didn't feel like there was much to it. He just in some of the scenes where he was supposed to be playing someone who's reacting to uh, PTSD, he more just seems like a guy who's real annoyed, just just so annoyed, you know, and that just wasn't very compelling. And 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 um, and then the the scenes where he's kind of opening up to the angel were similarly just felt kind of flat, you know. I mean, it doesn't help that she has one tone of voice that she doesn't quite know how to change <laughs> ever. So I'm sure that wasn't great for him. But I have to agree that towards the end of the episode, I felt like he was really kind of delivering. And even though I felt like the ending was like the most saccharine thing I've ever seen, he was at least acting during that period in a way that like kind of fit for the character more than some of the some of his freakouts felt very strange to me. Well, with that said, in fact, I want to mention quickly that Roma Downey is married to Mark Burnett. Do you know who Mark Burnett is? Oh, wow. He is no the idea. he's a producer. I produced Survivor, I think, but he produced The Apprentice, and of course, he uh, notably in the last six months refused to uh, release any footage of Trump behind the scenes on The Apprentice, even though that might have helped stop the disaster that's currently destroying right, your country. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this brings us to the part of the episode. Oh, before we get to that, could I mention two things? Please do. One is that the angel of death, the guy that looks like kind of like a slovenly James Spader, <laughs> um, is John Dye, who I may or may not be correct, but I think he's in Best of the Best. I think he's oh, a reunion. a reunion. With Eric Roberts. Even, even um, though does, they... he, does he play a child molester in Best of the Best? <laughs> I, don't, I don't think so. I don't remember that scene in Best of the Best, but... I think Eric Roberts' son does get what uh, run over at some point. I know he ends up on a deathbed <laughs> briefly while Eric Roberts cries over him. I, mean, I guess I got to revisit that movie. Um, and the other thing is that I've been singing the song to remember the presidents all all week now. Well, let's hear it. George Washington, <laughs> John Adams, <laughs> <Thomas> Jefferson. <laughs> please stop! Please, please, please stop. <laughs> That's also, I don't think that's on the test for citizens. But to to name all of the presidents in order, (laughs) Liam, as an American, I mean, I know both of you uh, are Americans, but Liam, since you're so established there, could you list all of the presidents? Uh, No, no, I cannot. Well, I'm afraid you're going to have to move to Canada, sir. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, please. (laughs) Eric Roberts, is he the fucking man, Liam? Uh, oh, this is another tough one, but I think so. I think, um, you know, the, the material didn't call for much more from him. And while I think some of his performance was flat in the end, I think he pulled it out. So it's a tentative. Yes. It's not like a, an overwhelming yes, but he's still the man. What do you think, Evan? Uh, I think so. Yeah. I'm, I'm very similar to Liam on this. I feel like both of these films were kind of 
hard to judge his performance, but I feel like that final scene uh, when he's on death's door, I think that that won me over. When given the opportunity, Eric Roberts always pulls it out. Like I said, he brought that rum raisin just like we wanted to see. Eric Roberts is the fucking man in this episode of Touched by an Angel. And I've got great news for you, Liam. We never have to watch an episode of this show again. Oh, thank, <laughs> thank uh, the the non-specific American Lord. <laughs> you mean white man's God? <laughs> well, with that said, we got to take our final break. And when we come back, we need to have a little chat with Evan and we need to say goodnight. We'll be back right after this. of episode number 41 of Eric Roberts is the fucking man. I want to thank our very, very special guest, Evan Monday, for being such a pleasure, for willing to sit through kind of middling projects. I mean, frankly, you chose them, so you have to take some of the blame. But I really do want to thank you for your input. And again, it's just been a real pleasure. Evan, what should people check out that you've created? What's the best way to get in touch with you? What can we do to get on the Evan Monday train? Oh, well, thank you so much for having me on. It's been a dream really like I, I this is one of my favorite things one of my favorite things to listen to and I was so glad I could be on uh, I mean to get on the Evan train I guess the easiest way is to follow me on Twitter uh, I, at I don't like Monday with a U um, I also have a website I don't like Mondays.com which is very infrequently updated <laughs> um, but yeah I write a series of books for young readers called the dead kid detective agency about it's basically like if Nancy, Drew, or Goth and all her friends were dead. Um, and that's fairly widely available online and at bookstores. And um, I also have a podcast of my own that's currently on hiatus called Radio Free Riverdale, where myself and co-host uh, Lucy Capiello dissect Archie Comics Digests uh, <laughs> with every episode. Um, so we're very excited about the forthcoming Riverdale CW TV show, which With I think Luke is Perry. Next... Sorry, Luke Perry is on that show. I know Luke Perry uh, <laughs> is Archie's dad. <laughs> now you're an expert on Archie comics, Evan. So I have to ask you about something I remember from my childhood. Did at some point Jughead get a pin on his hat that made him irresistible to women? Uh, I believe he did. Yes, <laughs> there are a number of sort of Jughead stories. So that happened to him. Um, and of course, Jughead was like, I believe, freaked out by all this. He was not, he's not super into the lady. So it was more like him being chased by women around Riverdale, I think. Um, but I think at also at one point he became like, he was able to 
he ran a diner in outer space. Like there are a lot of weird iterations. Of <laughs> and he found Jesus at one point too. Is that correct? Uh, I think all the Archie gang did at one point. There was there's a series of Archie comics where they all kind of um, find Jesus. Liam, what's your favorite Archie comics character? Is it uh, Midge? Uh, <laughs> Josie and the Pussycats? That oh, works. Yeah. That, 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 that's all right, not bad. Good. What about Hot Dog? <laughs> or Svensson, the janitor. Yeah, or uh, is it Dilton Doily? What's his name? Yeah, Dilton Doily, the nerd. There you go. I, that's that's what I see uh, in you, Liam. <laughs> what? Liam, if people want to check out you, what's the best way for them to do so? And don't say cinepunks.com because it makes me sick. <laughs> Smoke weed every day. <laughs> 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 no, it's got to be cinebucks.com. No, I mean, uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Liam, L I A M, rules, R U L Z, um, and cinepunks.com or cinepunks on Twitter, which is at cinepunks, punks with an X, or on Facebook, cinepunks, whatever, whatever. Um, other projects, nothing I have is, else is I have really popping off right now. So I feel like right. focusing on cinepunks is the thing that makes most sense. We just launched our first patreon page right for cinepunks and uh there's a lot of cool um uh benefits for patrons on there so jump on that asap before it runs out and then you're out of luck sucks to be you and follow liam at wait there's a, there's what? a limited number yeah is there a limited, is there a limited number oh, i fucking limited it yeah <laughs> i was like i gotta make this a limited edition thing which doesn't make any sense because i just want to take money forever <laughs> whatever yeah maybe you can start paying your webmaster oh my god <laughs> you're at the fucking bottom of the list literally there's a list of people who need to get paid the last one is douglas tilly <laughs> i'm gonna take that patreon button off the site now that i think about it <laughs> and of course follow liam at liam rules r-u-l-z on twitter and you can follow me on twitter at i said I don't care. I'll edit it out. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Look, whenever I make a mistake, it never shows up. And whenever you make a mistake, <laughs> it's in there, buddy. <laughs> you can follow me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You can, of course, also check out EricRobertsIsTheMan.com for all your Eric Roberts is the man, is the fucking man, needs, including you can subscribe on iTunes or uh, get the RSS feed or whatever you would like. Uh, you can also check us out at ERITFM on Twitter if you want to get the latest Eric Roberts news. Or you can go over to Facebook and uh, do a search for Eric Roberts is the man and join our group over there as well. Or you can check out my other uh, podcast, No Budget Nightmares, at NoBudgetPodcast.com or over on DorkShelf.com, which, which is where you might encounter some of my writing every once in a while. But with that, it's time to close up the old Eric Roberts is the fucking man bag. I want to say thank you once again to Evan Monday. Check out all of his stuff. We'll link it in the description. You will be impressed, as well you should be. Uh, and I'm impressed by his, uh, his aptitude for talking about Eric Roberts. Thanks again, Evan. Thank you, Liam O'Donnell, and good luck to your wife and your upcoming child. Um, mm -hmm. Remember when the time comes, the name, it's got to connect, bro. Uh, <laughs> a seven days. Sorry, my wife just asked when. <laughs> I have no way of, of re responding to her. I guess I could have put up seven fingers. But yes, in seven days, the child is coming. But good night, everybody. When you return to us in just a couple of weeks, uh, I have a feeling Liam will uh, have an extra member of his family. So say good night, everybody.
asshole. <laughs> Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can.